Welcome to the Heifer Group Podcast, Empty Your Cue. Today we're talking about Little Giants. Um, I don't. I actually haven't seen this in forever, and all I remember is the Fumble Ruski. So you take it away from here, buddy boy. Oh, it's not even the Fumble Ruski. It's the annexation of Puerto Rico. That's the oh, the greatest football play of all time, some would say. What? Fictional or real. Isn't the Fumble Ruski from this? No? They call it the Fumble Ruski. No, in this. But then the, the like nerd kid that he gets to be his assistant coach calls it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Okay. So that's the official. It incorporates Fumble Ruski components, but it's it's the annexation of Puerto Rico. Okay. Uh, but basically, I decided to watch this movie because it popped up on HBO Max under the Last Chance section. I think it's up until August 1st. But okay. who knows where it's going. It's also probably only $3 if you want to buy or rent it anywhere else. Oh, okay. Well, then just buy it. <laughs> and this, for me, was a childhood staple. I absolutely... But I literally can't remember shit from it. Okay. So, Ed O'Neill and Rick Moranis are brothers. And yeah. Ed O'Neill... Ed O'Neill is, like, a former Heisman Trophy-winning football star who runs the town that the two of them live in. Yeah, And Rick Moranis owns... Uh, Rick Moranis owns a busted-down gas station. Okay. And... And so Ed, Ed O'Neill coaches the football team, the Pee Wee football team. And yeah. he's like, he's like the template for that Friday Night Types show we did. Yeah. Where he, he's like, I want winners. That's all I'm here for is winners. Winning. We need he's to be winning. Just a garbage human. Just a yeah, garbage pretty much. Human over, overbearing parent. So it starts with him holding tryouts because they're the Cowboys. They're the... Uh, they're the I don't remember the name of the town, sorry, but they're the Cowboys, and he's like basically thinks he's like Jimmy Johnson or something. He's like, you got to earn that, earn that uniform, earn that stuff. And it's like these kids Aren't are they like the Cowboys too. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah, oh, they're yeah. the Cowboys. So they host these tryouts, and the best player there is Ed O'Neill's niece uh, Becky, who they call Icebox. <laughs> because she just seems to be like the hardest hitter you've ever seen, like Pee Wee Brian Erlacher. Old bitch. Yeah, <laughs> and, and uh, she decimates these tryouts. Like she pummels people, but her and a few other kids that are kind of like the losers don't get picked. They're like there's like four or five kids that don't get picked, and even Ed O'Neill's wife and his daughter are like. Why didn't you pick Icebox? Like, what? For, like, none of the adults call them by their child names. Like, it's all whatever. <laughs> Why didn't you pick Icebox? When she was so born, he goes, she came out as Icebox. He goes, because she's a girl. And they're like, bro, you come on. And he's like, okay, you're right. I'll see if she wants to be a cheerleader. The team could use cheerleaders. And he's just like this pig headed, sexist dick. Oh, really? And really? Ed O'Neill, a pig-headed sexist dick in the yeah, 90s? I, I know, it's a stretch. Him playing a pig-headed sexist dick, huh? I also, would, before, before I forget, I want to ask you this, too, because I've made a note of it. Did any actor corner a market harder than Ed O'Neill cornered former athlete that always tries to relive that glory? No. No. Because I don't think he has so. a stranglehold on it at this point. Outside of maybe Sean Astin in 51st Dates. <laughs> basically but like just like Ed O'Neill is like the first person that comes to mind for like a solid 12 year stretch of 
Oh, yeah. Hey. I mean, that's all the character archetype that was Al Bundy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, sorry, not to, I just wanted to make sure I didn't forget to ask you that because I just thought it was hilarious that in 94, he was Kevin O'Shea, Heisman Trophy winner who owns a car dealership and coaches the Pee Wee team. And yeah, his whole stick is like, but at least he like he seemingly did something there, whereas like Al Bundy was a shoe salesman who hated his family and his life. <laughs> yeah. Like everything was horrible for him no matter what. Even if he was having a good time, he's having a bad time. I really look at Al Bundy growing up. It's, it's uh, yeah, I respect I the it. Way I am. So but so okay, so Rick Moranis is Icebox's dad. And he's like this meek dude. Their wife. That's the thing too. Is it oh, plays like so a, his niece? Yeah, Icebox is okay. Ed O'Neill's niece, yeah. and he like doesn't even pick her, even Did though she's the best player. And they're like, yeah, okay. And they're like, oh man, that's blood. You didn't even pick blood. And he's like, oh, she's a girl. So she goes to Rick Moranis, and she's like, hey, I'm really, I'm really bummed. And he's like, yeah, it's okay. Like, we'll do other stuff. There's more football to play and blah, blah, blah. And uh, she's like, yeah, but you can tell she's pissed about it. So she goes around and she starts gathering kids up to make their own team. And she volunteers Rick Moranis to coach, basically, and doesn't tell him that she's volunteered him to be this coach. And word gets back to Ed O'Neill. And Ed O'Neill is like, you think you're funny, little brother? You know we can only have one football team per town. Like, what do you think you're doing? You're not a coach. You're not You're not me. You're not anything. And Rick Moranis is like, what are you talking about? And he looks outside and he sees his daughter and all of these kids that were like the never picks standing at the window looking like beggars. And he's like, we're the little giants. We're going to kill you. And like from there, they're like, okay, well, I guess now we got to learn how to play football. Now we're a football team. And it's it's heartwarming things, you know, lessons are learned. The bond between father and daughter grows stronger. Um, the thing that really blew my mind is sexism too, defeated. Uh begrudgingly. Is it? Like there, there's never a moment where Ed O'Neill is like, Good job, Icebox, you really showed me. He's always just like she's a woman and she doesn't belong here. Not even that, but like there's a part later on where she she's really torn because they get this quarterback, the little giants get this quarterback that is like uh, like nine-year-old Tom Brady, basically, just pinpoint accuracy, cannon arm. Like it's unbelievable. And now, uh she are there any famous children? Oh, I'm getting there. This okay. kid Jr. is played by uh Devin Sawa. Oh, and of, uh, uh, Final Destination fame, yeah, in this Stan music video. If you remember Eminem's, Eminem's video for Stan, Eminem's doppelganger. <laughs> um, so Becky has the hots for young Devin Sala, as most would at that time period, absolutely. Um, and she's like really like sending signals out, and she doesn't know how to deal with it because she's always been like the tough girl, she's always been the icebox. She's and so there's like there's a whole it's always been the icebox. There's a whole part of this movie that's like her like trying to reconcile how can I be Becky, like the trying young to girl break that's the chains that bind the icebox clothes. Basically, she's like, How do I how do I balance the two personalities? How and I forgot that there was this type of subplot going on where she was like basically starting to experience puberty. The, 
the duality of herself. Exactly. So she, there's this scene where there's her and him are sitting together, and I didn't they're watching it's a female coming of age story. It really is. It snuck in as a football movie, and when I was a kid watching it over and over and over, I was like, "Oh, it's just funny." The fat kid has a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in his helmet, and there's, like, there's all sorts of like. <laughs> the fat kid does have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I he does. He gets hit. Kid. He gets hit super hard, and all the jelly pours over his face, so his team thinks he's dead. Oh yeah, and I'm it's like, just no. jelly because there's a smushed peanut butter and jelly. But uh, why yeah, would so... you like? Why like? What was the plan there to snack in the middle of a play? I don't think he thought he was going to get hit. It's a practice. Yeah. So I think he thought he would just go through the motions and then pull his helmet sandwich out and get some bites. Yeah, and then maybe put the sandwich back. Or what was like the ultimate goal with the helmet sandwich? Innovation. Maybe maybe he prays to a peanut butter and jelly god and that was like (laughs) sandwich. That's like his yamaka. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were gonna say it just materialized as like an act of PB and J God. No, it's like the thing that he puts on his head to like it's like, yes. uh, you know, showing um, your, it's respect. Uh, your, your humility. Uh, yeah. Something greater above you. So so I thought that that's all this movie was, was like stupid stuff like that. And like the annexation of Puerto Rico, Rick Moranis, Ed O'Neill, boom, have a few laughs, get out of here. I did not realize that this movie was as woke and as ahead of its time with feminism as it is. Because I don't know if I'd go to wokeness because I feel like. Ed O'Neill is still kind of given a redemption tale, and it does focus more on the tale of the two brothers. Yeah, and the and and Rick Moranis overcoming his older brother. Yeah, I don't know. There's parts where it feels like that's the the main story almost. It's not like this like is nothing. Bend It Like Beckham. <laughs> that's true. Um, so there's a part where Icebox decides that she's not going to play. She wants to be. Um, which Ben and like Beckham is effectively like Mike, but with soccer, right? Yeah, that's genius. We need more movies like that. Sorry to go off off topic. Well, did you here, see Thunderstruck? We did see Thunderstruck. That's actually. Did you a, see it? I did. Yeah. That's why there's no more movies like Thunderstruck or like Mike being made right now. But like, why can't we get a NASCAR one? Like, oh, like give me a kid actor behind the wheel. Yeah. It's, you know, like a Herbie Lovebug type scenario in uh, in NASCAR. That w- that would be incredible if I could get like a six year old hitting someone. Robin's racing. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but anyways, so she decides she doesn't want to play in the big game. What the whole thing is, they're going to have this big game between the Ed O'Neill's Cowboys and Rick Moranis's Little Giants, and the winners get to be the the team for Sacrifice the league that yeah, basically, they sacrifice okay. the team, and they'll get to be the the main team oh, so for they the get city. To kid, like they get to behead the kids on the other team, like publicly. No, not quite. Oh, okay. It is still a, a G, a PG rated kids movie. Well, I mean, but they they can like you know imply it, right? Do they flog them? There's a light like verbal abuse, but that's about it. There's no okay. no flaying of any sort. Surprisingly, in Little Giants, no. Nobody skinned or anything? A lot lot less flagellation than you're letting on. Okay, okay. Because I feel like, I don't know, like, you're going to have this big matchup 
and everything. Like the price should be a little more than like bragging rights. Well, the, the no, the price is if if Rick Moranis wins, Ed O'Neill doesn't get to be Sucks the football the team. The Cowboys, the Cowboys are out, and the Giants are the team now. I know you hear me. I know you hear me too. <laughs> so that's what they're playing for. And the okay. day of the big game, the night before, so Icebox is like, for... I want to be. So who, whichever coach wins has to have his dick sucked by the other coach, right? <laughs> Moving on. So she okay. decides she wants to be a cheerleader for the little giants instead of their player. Because there's a scene right before this where she's hanging out with Devin Sawa, the QB, and they're watching, like, they're hanging out at, like, the lake, and there's a couple making out in the lake. And they're both like, oh, that's so uh, gross. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they have, like, one of those, and she's like, Wait, yeah, but I guess, like, that? Kind of is what she does, and he's like, "No, you're icebox. You're not a girl. You're uh, you're cool. Like you're way cooler than like I'd want it to be with someone else." And she's like, "What? Like a cheerleader?" And he's yeah. like, "Well, just you're just so cool." And then he leaves, and she's like devastated because she's like, "So I play football, so I'm not cute to this this cute guy that I like." Yeah. So she's like, "Okay, I guess I'll be a cheerleader now because I want this boy to like me," and. In the game, look, that's so probably Ed a small dick anyway, so who cares? So Ed O'Neill's team gets this kid that moves into town, and his dad is like, Oh, is this big dong John that moves in? So she falls for him? No, they oh. get Spike, who's like this oh. crazy kid whose dad is like Texas football parent. Yeah, he's like, You're gonna run right through him. There's one point I actually wrote down one of the things that dad says to the kid oh, because I was take like, take off your helmet and beat the shit out of that other kid. This dad, no, he says, uncork that rage and go use it on the first kid you see on that field. Wow. So he and, knows his son has like unadulterated rage issues. Yeah, pretty much. He's just fully exploiting it. Uh, yeah. So they late hit, they late hit the QB, Devin Sawa. Oh, yeah. And, and Icebox the, has to come in, right? The dad and the kids, Spike, are like celebrating. And Ed O'Neill even is like, hey, we don't play football that way. Do it again, and I'm kicking both of you out, and you're never coming back to this team. And the dad's like, okay. And then he looks at the kid again, like, yeah. Like, yeah, you showed her. Uh, but yeah, essentially, <laughs> that I moment. And Drago's trainer. That moment turns Icebox into like football winner soldier. She, like, marches off the field, goes to the locker room, throws on all her gear over the cheerleading uniform. So she's got, like, the cheerleading skirt on under her uniform. And she just comes back and, like, instantly forces fumbles. Fuck your gender norms. She puts puts that kid Spike down so hard that, like, he gets passed and you can tell he wants... No, not quite. That would have been good. Um... There's also like there's, himself like he just died. There's a lot of instances where like things are really so. There's a kid on the the Giants whose dad is never home because he's always <laughs> traveling for work. Okay. Like every time they show this kid, traveling he's like, "Hey, work, he's like, hey, dad, other family. Hey, dad, are you gonna be home tonight? Can we play catch? Okay, no, nope, sorry, Kasan, I got work. Yeah, I got and like the, I mean work. I got I got another family. Yeah. shit. I, I mean work. Work. When they recruit the kid, he's just literally st- like sitting outside by himself. And so <laughs> there's a part in this in this movie where they toss him the ball and they're like, you got to run. You got to run. Can I just say looks- for a second, 
I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt. No, no, you're as a child who grew up with a father that actually did travel all the time and wasn't around for things, it's really not as bad as Hollywood makes it. Like <laughs> like they make it seem like fathers that do that are the biggest pieces of shit in the world. And it's like all it did was just re like my dad would just pay more attention to me when he was actually there because he realized like how shitty it was that he was just gone <clears throat> most of the time. But it's like okay. it, it drives me up a fucking wall when it's like it, these every single time it's like dad always has to go to work and it's like yeah because he's paying for your fat ass to live motherfucker shut up like 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 uh like a uh, fucking jingle all the way he's all upset oh he's yeah gotta go do shit and it's like bitch he's trying to get you a fucking turbo man what well I think fuck? he's more upset because in jingle all the way Arnold is a horrible liar no. <laughs> That says he's going to be there and isn't. Yeah, because he, all this shit keeps coming up in his life. And he's trying to give him the Turbo Man. Oh, so this kid is like, he gets the ball finally. And he looks up the field and he sees his dad walking onto the field, like, fresh off the airplane with his suitcase and his overcoat still on and his suit and everything. And he looks and sees him at the opposite end, goalpost walk in, and he turns into Walter Payton. He breaks, like... 14 defenders ankles which doesn't make sense because i think there's only 11 kids but he just breaks (laughs) off everybody and runs to the end zone so he could run and hug his dad and i was like damn there's a lot of heartwarming stuff going on in here they they, uh they were running uh, hockey subs so that's how they he shook shook 14 people exactly uh, because it was like oh this one went down come off the field next one in Oh, because of uh, because of how prominent football is in this town, because of Ed O'Neill's character, they have an announcer, like a radio announcer for it, for the big game, and it's Harry Shearer. Oh, really? And he just sounds like Reverend Lovejoy yeah. the whole time. Oh, yeah. If, if... oh, God, yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. And then he's like, oh, and he's got the ball, and he's taking it up to the field. And that's terrible, Reverend, Reverend Lovejoy. But... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but... Follow me, you. <laughs> I can't do it either, but so there's a couple some religious shit. There's a couple really like flat out problematic things that happen in this movie that I forgot oh, all about. I thought it was a beacon of feminism. No, well, it's different type of problematic. <laughs> so <laughs> the wor- oh, never mind. I'm not gonna. Um, I shouldn't. Yeah, let's, let's, yeah. So I already mentioned that Ed O'Neill and pig-headed sexist most of the time. So he's also a horrifying racist. Yeah. <laughs> On Rick Moranis's team because he wants to see what they're up to, even though he doesn't think that they're going to win at all. He wants to spy to see what their practice is going like. And Rick Moranis has gotten a nerdy kid that did not want to play football under any circumstances, but kind of still wanted to hang out. I have fibromyalgia. I can't play. Got him to be an assistant coach. And this this kid sees Ed O'Neill and Ed O'Neill's assistant coach spying and tells Rick Moranis. So Rick Moranis walks off. And he goes to a payphone. He goes to this payphone and he calls the police. And the police answer and he like and pretends to be a little old lady. And he goes, there's these two men in the bushes without pants on watching these little kids play. And I just, I don't like it. And the police come and they take the two of them away. And the next scene is like Ed O'Neill at dinner with his family that night saying like, I gotta give it to him. That was pretty good. It was a pretty good move. Like, 
I'm a registered sex offender now, but you know, it's a good move. Gotta play, gotta gotta pay respects to him. Uh, Touche. Uh, so then, <laughs> there's another part when that kid Spike comes to town. When Spike they, comes to town, they like Ed O'Neill and Rick Moranis race to get to him to recruit him, I and they imagine, get dude, Rick scary. Moranis. Rick Moranis beats him there, and the dad is like, "Oh, you must be the Heisman winning Coach O'Shea." And he's like, I'm uh, I'm Coach O'Shea, all right. And he just flat lies to this parent about yep. the success that his kid will have on his team just so he could get that new kid on his team. Hell yeah. And it's like football like made this meek, poor Rick Moranis character like a cutthroat in less than two weeks. That's what football does. Uh, there's also a really weird part where John Madden shows up. Of course. He pulls up to the gas station that Moranis owns and where the kids practice, and he's got Emmett Smith, Tim Brown, and a few more players. And he's like, "Our bus has a flat. Can we? Can you help us?" And then what they teach the Madden kids doing with all those players. That's what, what like I because it takes place in Ohio. It. it takes place in Ohio, and I think he says we're trying to get to Canton. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, but it's just so good. It was so funny to see John Madden again because he's been out of the game for so long. He's been out of the spotlight for so long, too. And he's trying to explain what they're doing, like what they need. And he's like, so here where you see, here's our van. And we're trying to come over to Canton and we want to button down through here. And he's just drawing plays on this board for them to like give them directions, basically. Does John like, Madden you know, have a Twitter? No. Does he do anything? I, I don't think so. No, he puts his name on video games. Yeah. But like, wow. I wonder what that contract is. That he's just like. He retired, like, what, 20 years ago? Oh, my God. I forgot about this. I took another note. So I wrote down a couple quotes in this movie that really stood out to me. Fucking realize. These are your notes. I know. I <laughs> forgot about this, though. So they're trying to talk about why Icebox didn't get picked for the Cowboys at the start of the movie. Yeah. And one of the kids that got picked for the Cowboys is like, I can't believe she didn't get picked. And another teammate on the Cowboys goes... Yeah, but she's a girl. When she's hot to trot, she's still got a squat. Oh. And that's about what I did. I was like, wait. And I rewound it to make sure I heard it right. When she's hot to trot, she's still got a squat. Does hot to trot mean have to go to the bathroom? I guess. I don't know. I always, I don't know. I, yeah. Huh. So. I, I didn't know what that phrase meant. No, I had no idea that, that they had said that. And I'm sure as a kid, I was like, all right, whatever. I don't know what that means. But um, the other one I wrote down was Ed, o Ed O'Neill's assistant coach. I did not care to look up his name. His assistant coach is talking to Rick Moranis about the Little Giants players. And he said, let me just say, if I was a mama hen and these were my chicks, I'd lead them to water and let them drown. This is Ed O'Neill saying this about the Little Giants. No, this is his assistant coach. Oh, of Ed O'Neill? Yes. Saying wow. this to Rick Moranis. Damn, that's vicious. Isn't that crazy? I was like, it's a bunch of kids. Yeah. And he's like, they don't deserve to live. It's basically like, if this was my team, I would tell I, them to just go die. And execute them. I would lead them to certain death in a horrible fashion. Hey, you know, it's uh, his team. In the <laughs> middle of all of this, too. There's a random moment where Icebox is, like, conflicted, and she's sitting at, like, the local diner thinking about, like, do I play football? Do I pursue this boy? Like, what do I do? 
And Ed O'Neill shows up and sees her and he's like, oh, hey, Becky, how's it going? And they sit down and have like a two minute heart to heart scene where she's like, do you think I'm cute? And he's like, no, I don't think you're cute. You're beautiful. And she's like uplifted by it. And it's like this really sweet moment. It's like the only time where Ed O'Neill is like a shred decent. And then he leaves. And it and the scene right after that is is uh, and the guy saying, I would, I would lead her, oh. them to, to water and let him drown. Like, so it's like, it's such a odd moment because it does not fit with the rest of the movie. Like, it feels well, like they can't test give screen the villains, it. You can't give the villains that much humanity. You got to take it away. It feels like they were like, hey, we tested this and audiences are pissed that, like, the two of them just shit on these little kids for 95 minutes. So we need something. Let's go back. Let's do something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've got a piece of trivia here that absolutely just blew my mind. What is that? What blew your mind? There were two actors originally cast to play the brothers of Little Giants. Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone. Oh my god, I wish. No. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Tom Arnold. No, think worse. You know what's funny is, sorry, but Arnold's uh, again off topic. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Tom Arnold is like one of the best pairings in movie history and it makes no sense. But anyways, um, David Spade and Tom Arnold. Think early 90s David Spade and Tom Arnold. Like, who would be those counterparts? David Spade and fucking Tom Arnold. What are you... What? John Goodman? <laughs> okay. I don't know. No. Okay. I'm just going to tell you. They replaced Tom Arnold on a television show with John Goodman, so... I don't, okay, I'll I don't tell know. you I'll tell you what. I'll give you one. Randy Quaid. Oh, wow. And uh, who do you think they, ca- they wanted to cast as his brother? Chevy Chase and make this a vacation movie? No, unfortunately, that would even be better than what this what this originally would have been. The unofficial vacation movie sequel. Gary Fourth. Busey. What the fuck? Gary Busey and Randy Quaid were originally cast in the Ed O'Neill and Rick Moranis roles, respectively. Damn. You could have had that came out that way. This would be like an unwatchable movie now. This wouldn't have gotten released because of like the overtones of how like mean some of these parts are. Like if if it was Gary Busey that was like I can't have a girl on my team, <laughs> I think that would have been very par for the course for Gary Busey in the early nineties. Yeah, so. I just I can't believe. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that they gave Becky, uh, aka Icebox, she had LT's number fifty six. Oh shit! Damn, she Lawrence Taylor'd him out there. Dude, she's all over that field. She's like Deion Sanders in the final game. She's linebacker, quarterback, center, fullback, and I think she plays like a little bit of safety at one point too. Damn, Magic Johnson she, of football. She's all over that field. It's unbelievable. She plays one half, and they win the game because she basically does all of it. Shit. And because that kid's dad showed up. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. Basically, yeah. That's about all I have on this movie as far as notes and like why I just like I remembered it being such like a, a goofy like Sandlot style comedy and it's so much more. That's true. I like, feel I just, like Sandlot is so much more. I feel like you're really underselling Sandlot though. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. This like it sets the tempo. I should Isn't t- this after Sandlot? Movies like Oh, I don't think so. It might have been the same year even. Because this is 94. 94? Oh, damn it. 92. Sandlot's 93. Oh, okay, yeah, there you go. But either way, 
Damn, it's not I just I really enjoyed watching it. It was a huge blast from the past, and it was so much more, uh, so much more like so, I don't even know what the word. It's so like it just is the nostalgia burst that you got from it was just so encapsulating. No, I just I didn't remember it being as like female empowering as it was. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. It was cool to see that they had, like, in the early 90s, there was a kid's movie like this. <laughs> it would be funny, because I didn't watch it. I wouldn't know it. I'm sure you didn't pay attention to this. But it would be funny if every scene with a woman in it, they're making sandwiches or something. <laughs> right? Just some horrible <laughs> yeah, stereotype. It's just so forward-thinking for women. They're uh, they're sewing or making clothes or, like, making yeah. food or, uh, like, emptying dishwasher. Like, some horrible, like... Yeah. Stereotypical thing. Yeah, that would be a bummer. I'm doing dishwashers. I did not notice that, so I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I hope. But but you know, now that you bring it up, I guess we cannot know for sure. (laughs) Well, there you go. That does it for Little Giants. Uh, This is available on HBO Max for what? Probably till the end of the month. So maybe Friday. Till yeah, till August first. Oh, there you go. So. This this becomes obsolete effectively after Friday. Uh, but check us out at Hefferbrew on Twitter and Instagram, Hefferbrew.com. And, uh, you know, just uh, shoot us. You can probably DM us on either. So really quick, things. one thing. Do, this isn't going to be obsolete. You should just buy Little Giants at this point. Come on. It's $3. It's gonna yeah, it's gonna be like three or four dollars. Like, just buy it. Yeah. It's good. It's, yeah, it's it's, it's better than it. you remember. Rick Moranis, Ed O'Neill, there's these comedy masters here. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Rick Moranis, I like. I think I like. Yeah, no, because so for me, I would have rather seen Rick Moranis get more play and love than per se a Martin Short. Okay, I can see that. I can see like them kind of occupying the same lane. They do, and I think Moranis did it better. It's just Moranis was like, I would rather go live my life and be with my family and not do this shit anymore. Thanks, peace. Well, I think he retired because his wife died. Is it? And he took care of his kids. Yeah, I knew it was to like be with his family more and stuff like that. And he was just like, I'm. I know it was like he was just done with Hollywood and shit. Yeah. He was like, okay, I'm short. Everyone just realized he wasn't funny at a certain point, and we stopped wanting him and things. Damn, truth hurts. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Michael J. Fox kind of occupied that same territory comedy wise, but he was more of a like blockbuster actor, I guess. Like, he, you know, it's like he was the A tier, and then they were kind of the B, not B tier, but A minus tier, if you will. In that time yeah. period, it's just like, and that's Michael J. Fox, another one where it's like his career was cut short because of other things, not so much like Martin Short, where it was like, I think. Now he rests in this legend status where it's like it's. I feel it's undeserved. Wow, Jimmy Glick was terrible. Martin Short catching strays at the end of this podcast here. Um, pretty much. Yeah, just, so we'll, just because it's like I would have rather seen Rick Moranis have that career, even though he didn't really want it. Like I would have rather Rick Moranis go down as a comedy legend more so because nowadays no one really knows who the fuck Rick Moranis is. You'd have to see him. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You. And You'd have like, to see honey, him now. Trunk the kids is a fucking classic. Uh, shit, honey, I blew up kids. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Yeah, Ghostbusters is what I always think of. Spaceballs. 
Spaceballs, Canadian Bacon. I think he's in Canadian Bacon. Is he in Strange Brew? I believe he's in Strange Brew too. And then this, yeah, he had a pretty I good, mean, SCTV, pretty good run. He came through with Ackroyd and all those people back then, like Second City. And it was just he kind of fell to the wayside because there were so many powerhouses in those groups. But I don't know, like, and then you know, have the next tier where it was like Steve Martin, Martin Short, Chevy Chase. Yeah, I don't know, like I was going to talk about this earlier, but not to just drag Three Amigos. But Three Amigos sucks too. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on thank you guys for listening and uh have a good one